Hello and welcome to another awesome episode of the Nerd Related Fantasy Show. I'm Matt Farley and I am joined by absolutely no one tonight, uh, riding solo. I'm going to post a picture of uh, of Andy's situation on Twitter. Uh, as uh, as we've alluded to the last couple of weeks, Andy just got a puppy. Uh, super cute, by the way. Um, and uh, well, if you've ever had a puppy before, you know. You know the kind of work that that requires. So, just me tonight. We're gonna do a full episode of the show either uh, tomorrow, Thursday, or Friday. Andy's also fighting <laughs> fighting a cold, but uh, hey, we want to be as consistent as we possibly can. And last week, of course, uh, we skipped because I had a chance to go to the Milwaukee Bucks uh, NBA Championship ring ceremony and uh, opening night. So, uh, I feel obligated to give our loyal listener singular listener. Uh, something to uh, to munch on this week, something to think about this week as we roll into a very important week eight uh, in the fantasy football uh, season. So uh, I figured we could just do a quick hitter with some some basics around either waiver claims, holds, keeps, what to do with certain players. And then when Andy and I are back for a regular program later on this week, we're going to talk about sort of our, our midseason or um, – halfway mark awards. It's not even technically the halfway mark yet, but um, guys that we think are had a really great start to the year and then guys that we think are going to uh, positively regress and maybe league winners in the in the second half of the year. So um, let's get right to it. Tonight, I figure we start with talking about uh, Dearness Johnson, who was the big waiver pickup last week. Uh, probably won some people week seven. Uh, he certainly did for me in a couple of leagues. But going forward, it's kind of curious what to do with Dearness Johnson, right? We don't know if Dearness Johnson is going to have value going forward. And and some of us spent a decent amount of fab or a decent waiver uh, priority position on a, a running back that might be a one-week rental. So what do we do with him moving forward? Uh, I'm tempted to drop him this week, but I'm not going to. And that's because I think Dearness Johnson is probably going to have like a Kareem Hunt light type role. Uh, he he showed three down uh, ability last week against Denver, who is a fantastic run defense. They might start to uh, negatively regress. Uh, but either way, Dearness Johnson, I think, proved something last week. And still with a gap in Cleveland's game plan and the fact that they are so run heavy and the fact that Baker Mayfield is not going to be uh, under center for a little while. I think Dearness Johnson does carry uh, some some immediate value going forward. Obviously, everything that we tell you here on the Nerd Related Fantasy Show is very, very relative, right? You need to know how desperate you are for a running back, uh, what you're going to be willing to do. Uh, for for roster positions, right? Uh, are you looking for immediate uh, gains or are you looking for the possibility of maybe getting a league winner uh, but sacrificing uh, immediate return? So look at it this way. If, you, if you're in a position right now where you're dealing with a lot of injuries and you need a running back, hold Dearness Johnson. Uh, keep him on your roster. 
there's a chance that he is going to still be productive going forward, that Kareem Hunt light role. However, if you do have a viable RB2 and you and, and you want to use that roster spot for something else, I think you're fine to do that. So, for example, if Alexander Madison is still on your waiver wires, and I'm not sure what his ownership is across the board, it probably is below 50% after the bye week and uh, even the, the week prior to their bye week in Minnesota, I'd, I'd go get Alexander Madison. Uh, I might even I might even go get like a guy like Brandon Bolden in PPR leagues, but I'm not rushing to drop Dearness Johnson. You just need to know your situation. So I'll give you a, I'll give you an example. In one league, um, my RB two is Chris Carson, and I and in terms of like a backup option, I've got Javante Williams, who's kind of up and down right now. We'll probably talk about him later on this week, but. I want to I want to give myself some opportunities and play matchups. And let's say we go into next week, and Dearness Johnson is got a 50-50 split with Nick Chubb, and both are productive. Dearness Johnson might be my RB two. So in that situation, I'm going to keep Dearness Johnson. But you know, if you're if you've got the luxury of having like I don't know Ezekiel Elliott and Elijah Mitchell, or um, maybe you've got Alvin Kamara and another sustainable running back that's uh, that's that's giving you production. Dearness Johnson is not a guy to have. That's that's when you want to take that risk. So um, a little bit of curiosity with Dearness Johnson going forward. He's sort of an abnormality when it comes to um, waiver pickups and and holds or or sells or what to exactly do with him uh, because of his situation and the fact that Cleveland is so run heavy. So um, hopefully you got him last week. And if you got him um, and you played him great for you, but uh, that's going to be curious going forward, definitely evaluate your situation. So what do we do with waiver wires this week? Who are some guys that we're looking at? That's what I really wanted to focus on tonight. Obviously a lot of people are going to look at, look at Kenneth Gainwell as a potential option. And I think Kenneth Gainwell can probably give you high or low end RB2 high end RB3 numbers while Miles Sanders is out. A lot of people would say, well, why not higher, right? You have to look at Boston Scott's usage in in the in the small sample size that they got. Boston Scott's probably going to be the third down back. That's going to limit um it's going to limit really what Kenny Gainwell can do. Uh, I think they're going to look at Kenny Gainwell as maybe a, a first and second down and, and partial third down back. But I think we're going to see a decent amount of Boston Scott going forward. In addition, there was a report that came out today that um, Jordan Howard might actually be back for Philadelphia. So keep that in mind when you're looking at Kenny Gainwell. I'm not I'm not putting him as a huge waiver priority this week. If you need a running back, it makes perfect sense. But again, like anytime that these sort of questionable situations arise and I've got a roster spot that I can burn or, you know, let's say I had to get a second tight end last week to fill in for Darren Waller. um, And I'm ready to drop that secondary tight end. You know, I'm going to go for a guy who could potentially carry my team uh, if injury happens or um, if, uh, if, Priority changes. I don't know. Like the Alexander Madisons or AJ Dillons of the world, I'd rather roster those guys. But if you need a running back, Kenny Gainwell is perfectly fine. 
in terms of, of fab or priority position, um, that's a little bit questionable at this point, but I would say, you know, if, if you want to drop like 10 to 15% of your fab on Kenny Gainwell, uh, I think that's fair. You're probably going to have some people that are going to spend more than that. I wouldn't go over 20% at most. Um, and again, you got to look at your situation. Do you need a win? Uh, do you need a running back that badly and, and make your, make your position that way? But in a vacuum, 10 to 15%, I think is, is fair for, for Kenny Gainwell, who could be in, in, in a running back tandem in a couple of weeks. So we'll see, we'll see. Um, secondarily, there's some confusion about who the Packers are going to be uh, rolling out as, uh, as pass catchers uh, this Thursday as they take on the undefeated Arizona Cardinals. I don't know whether or not Devontae Adams is going to play. Uh, right now, that doesn't look good, but apparently he is vaccinated. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be utterly surprised if tomorrow you find out he plays. I'm going to assume he is not. And we know Alan Lazard is definitely not going to play. And that is based on the fact that he is not vaccinated. So assuming that both of those guys are out, I think Randall Cobb is a decent pickup. And I'll explain a little bit why. I, I'm full disclosure, I'm a diehard Packer fan, and I've watched Aaron Rodgers over the course of his career. And Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre are, are a lot alike in that they usually only sustain one viable pass catcher uh, on a consistent basis. And Aaron Rodgers sustains receivers and pass catchers that he trusts and has that sort of inherent instinct connection with. That's what makes him and Devontae Adams such a deadly, deadly duo. I think the next closest thing to that is Randall Cobb. Uh, I, that being said, that being said, I want to say this first before we get into the numbers. I think Green Bay is probably going to slow this game down as much as they possibly can because they don't have those dynamic pass catchers as well as Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator, is not going to be calling plays. Green Bay has, a, has had a pretty good defense to this point. You can brag on their opponents. But at any rate, I think that Green Bay is probably going to be slowing, slowing the game down as much as they can. So I'd expect a lot of run and a lot of short passes. Randall Cobb can be a short pass receiver. He doesn't have a huge depth of target. But so far this season, when, when he has been on the field consistently, he has produced decent, decent. I'm not going to call it great. Um, but in the last four weeks, aside of the Cincinnati game, or I'm sorry, the Chicago game, where he didn't register a single statistic, he had six targets, three targets, and four targets, which resulted in five catches, two catches, and three catches, respectively, uh, as well as he did score two touchdowns against Pittsburgh. Um, I think there's a good chance that Aaron Rodgers is going to look at Randall Cobb fairly often. Now, Randall Cobb is probably going to draw um, the best coverage, but let's say MVS plays this week, um, or Malik Taylor comes in um, off the practice squad. Equiminius State Brown can can run down the field. I think Cobb is going to be that versatile guy, and probably he's going to play a ton in the slot as he has throughout the, the majority of his career. He played outside a little bit, but um, Rogers goes to guys he can trust and Randall Cobb is that guy. So I would say that he is a decent pickup this week. If you're in a bind, this isn't the bi-apocalypse. 
I'm not going to tell you he's got long-term league winning value, but if you're looking for a roll of the dice or you feel like your lineup doesn't have a lot of boom potential, Randall Cobb to me uh, makes a ton of sense. Um, Let's go back to running back for a second. And I think a lot of people right now are very interested in what's going to happen with San Francisco and New England's backfields because we've got injuries, guys we can't trust, um, yet there seems to be some staple backs in, in both those backfields in Elijah Mitchell and uh, Damian Harris. But there's still a lot of ambiguity with those backfields. Historically, both of those backfields are very chaotic. And it's hard for a guy like me to really trust any of those backfields. I'm not in a position, or I'm not desperate enough to need to go get somebody from one of those backfields and plug them in. Brandon Bolden might be the exception in a PPR league. But other than that, the guys to own are own, and the other guys are dice dice rolls, right? Uh, Jamichael Hasty might have a good game here or there, you know. So I'm I'm going to look for situations where they're not as chaotic, and there is a path, a clear path without without immediate injury for somebody who is on the waiver wire uh, to become a a staple guy, to become a startable player. And when I look at a situation like that, I see Seattle. Seattle is without Chris Carson, and we don't know anything about his injury issue right now. Um, he could be back, I think, next week. Or, I mean, he could be done for the year. Nobody nobody really knows, right? And right now, Alex Collins has the majority share of that backfield. Rashad Penny was active this past week, and Rashad Penny didn't exactly own, own the backfield. However, that being said, you have to think about what what Seattle is dealing with at the running back position right now. And that is that Rashad Penny is probably on his last shot. Rashad Penny has had an an incredibly inconsistent run with Seattle. The, the, The regime in Seattle spent a first round pick to get this guy. And now there's, there's nothing in the way outside of a journeyman running back who wasn't in the league last year. It's time to see if Rashad Penny can work. And I think he's gonna get I think he's gonna get the opportunities to prove it. So I'm not going out and trying to get running backs from these ambiguous backfields. I'm gonna go try to get Rashad Penny. And there is a shot that in two weeks he's the Chris Carson going forward. Um, I don't think Alex Collins can, is completely eliminated from from the situation, but I think Alex Collins could roll into the DJ Dallas role, and you could see Rashad Penny be the Chris Carson to this this backfield. Now, let's keep in mind that Travis Homer or whatever third down back they want to throw in is going to is going to take away passing opportunities. But as a guy who's owned Chris Carson in PPR leagues for the past three years. That's a very valuable and steady position to have. Last night, he only got eight carries. The run game was not great to begin with. Um, Or I'm sorry, I was looking at year stats. Uh, He had 
uh, six rushing attempts uh, last uh, last night. Um, not a not a great night in general, but I think they're bringing him back on slowly. Uh, they get Jacksonville next week, which is a not a great run defense. Then they're on bye. Then they've got Green Bay, Arizona, and Washington. Uh, Arizona is going to be a shootout game, and Washington's defense isn't what it used to be. So it that could be a path for Rashad Penny. I think that's a better risk than maybe going after one of five running backs. I'd rather go after uh, one of three. So we'll see. All right. So finally, um, and, and I'm surprised that this this guy is still out there, but Rashad Bateman is still available in, I think, like 80% of Yahoo leagues. And you've probably seen him be mentioned by other fantasy uh, analysts, experts, what have you. I, I think Rashad Bateman is worth taking a look at for both things that are happening uh, directly to him as well as around him. So he's only played two games this year, but he's had six targets in both games. Um, we already know what sort of level prospect he is. We already know he's super athletic. He's super talented. He dominated target share in college, like 40% target share. Uh, and in these two games, playing alongside Marquise Hollywood Brown, who's having a fantastic year, and Mark Andrews, who is a top five tight end, Rashad Bateman's still getting about 20% of the targets. That's pretty darn good. Uh, it, he reminds me a lot of what OBJ's rookie year was like. Early early on, didn't, didn't do much because of injury, but then came on, you saw flashes. Kadarius Toney reminds me a lot of that situation too, uh, aside of the fact that he's a giant as well. But let's also evaluate what's happening in Baltimore offensively. And if you followed football, you probably see this happening, but I want to put this into context. Baltimore is becoming more balanced this season than ever before. And we, we know the reasons why, but what does that look like right now? They are ninth in the league in average passing yards per game. If you would have told me that at the start of the year, that at this point they were ninth, I would have laughed. They're fifth in total passing yards in the entire league. Again, I wouldn't have believed that six, seven weeks ago. Lamar Jackson right now is on pace to throw for over 1,200 yards more than he did the prior year. He's he's like on pace to throw for 4,000 yards. And I mean, that's a complete, complete change. Also, you know, with, with that increase in passing numbers, it's not like the entire offense is, is elevating. It is getting taken. Some of that's being, well, let me rephrase this. Some of that is due to the ineffectiveness of the run game. Uh, right now, uh, Baltimore is on pace to finish the season with about 2,200 rush yards. Compare that to last year when they had over 3,000. Um, this is a team that is different. Than, than what they've been in years past. And let's also not forget that their defense has not been what it what it what it was in 2019 and 2020 respectively. It's it's a different team. So with all of those things in mind with with the identity of the team changing and the fact that their defense is not going to support them, Lamar Jackson's going to have to throw. So I think it's fair to say or it's at least fair to explore this idea that Lamar Jackson could support Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews, and Rashad Bateman. I think you could sustain all of them. 
I mean, we're essentially finding another 1,200 yards. Um, not not all of that's going to go to Rashad Bateman in, uh, in eight games. But I think we're going to see Rashad Bateman get a, get a decent chunk of that. Uh, he's getting big plays. We can't really identify his air yards yet because it's such a small sample size. But I think we're going to see that average depth of target go up. So, look, Rashad Bateman is the kind of guy that – you know, I don't, it's very difficult to gauge his consistency level, right? Such a small sample size, but Rashad Bateman to me, given this situation, what we've seen from him just in the eye test alone, um, I, I think you could see a, a, a course where Rashad Bateman ends up being a second half superstar or a guy that you pull off waivers that you end up starting come, come the, the fantasy playoffs because he's been that darn good. Uh, and what happens if Hollywood Brown gets hurt? I mean, Rashad Bateman, to me, becomes a wide receiver, two with the potential to become a wide receiver, one. Uh, it's it's all right there. Uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown, no disrespect at all in this context. But, you know, and I, I think that you're going to see – I think you're going to see Bateman start to bite into that, as well as the fact that there's still ample opportunity to go around if, if, this, if this passing – identity continues to uh to move forward so just to recap if you're if you're looking for waiver claims tonight you look at kenny gainwell uh he's probably the most obvious one out there uh but don't blow your don't blow your fab on it look at a packers wide receiver like randall cobb um that's going to be a, a rental uh so be very careful but that could be something sneaky and a lot of people are probably not thinking about randall cobb right now and long-term rashad penny and rashad bateman are two fantastic, fantastic pickups. Uh, so that's it for tonight. Again, we'll be back with a full slate of shows. I think we're going to talk about our second half of the year uh, star predictions, guys that are going to be league winners in the second half of the year. Um, we'll have a little fantasy funeral for guys that, that uh, we all had high hopes for. And uh, yeah, anything else you want to talk about. So uh, thanks for uh, listening. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with the NBA show. So keep it real.